the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado. Hey, Damian, happy Tuesday. Yes, happy Tuesday to you. It's going to be a nice one, uh, hopefully, in the meantime. Uh, Today is also the feast day of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And what better way to get started than to think of Mary and ask for her intercession. In the name of the Father, Mm -hmm. Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. As we venerate the glorious memory of the Most Holy Virgin Mary, grant we pray, O Lord, through her intercession, that we too may merit to receive from the fullness of your grace. Let us pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We will learn more about the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary later on during our Saint of the Day, but we are starting off with some events in our listening area. We will give you details about, and you guys just keep on sending those events, and it's not too late to do that. You can go to ccmedia.live to check out our calendar and also to submit yours today. In 18 minutes, Bishop Michael Duca joins us. He's a bishop of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And today we are talking about how we can prepare our hearts for the Feast of Christ the King and Advent just days away, you guys. So looking forward to speaking to Bishop Duca about this. In 35 minutes, Father Jeffrey Kirby joins us once again. He's a pastor at Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, and he has a new book out called Year with the Popes, Daily Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. And in 48 minutes, Katie Bogner joins us, Catholic author and school teacher. She's been with us on before. And she is helping us prepare for Advent with our family. And to go along with that, she has a wonderful new book called All About Advent and Christmas, Sharing the Seasons of Hope and Wonder with Children. So a wonderful way to help our children uh, learn a little bit more about Advent and prepare us for Christmas. So looking forward to this wonderful time of year and a new liturgical year, right, Damien? So... And having those insights from Bishop Duca and uh, just getting ready. Yeah, preparation time. And uh, Mm -hmm. we all were prepared for the rain that has come and gone in Louisiana and Mississippi, at least. It came overnight. Um, Not too bad in Baton Rouge. Uh, Some other areas had a lot more of a downpour. Uh, Our friends in Mobile and Pensacola, though, it's going to clear out. Fear not. It'll clear out by noon today, and you'll see some cloudy skies, but it won't be wet.
Currently, the temperatures are in the upper 60s in all of our listening area, and uh, that will be our high because as the day progresses, the temperatures are going to slowly drop. And then they're going to hover around the mid-60s, and then on your way home, as you're heading home from work or bringing the kids home from school, those temperatures are going to continue to drop steadily to the point to where our low tonight is going to be 48. Uh, so tomorrow, our high is going to be 61. So it will be chilly, primarily because winds are out of the northwest right now, blowing at 10 to 15 miles an hour. So it's breezy out there, and that's what's keeping things uh, chilly. Uh, tomorrow, no rain, partly cloudy skies, and uh, Thanksgiving Day, a 20% chance of rain with a high of 59, and it's going to be a cloudy day to say the least. Currently, temperatures are in the 60s, as I said. It's five after the hour. We have your gospel and reflection coming your way in just a moment on Wake Up. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 19. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He is gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor, and if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. In today's gospel, we have the narrative about Zacchaeus' life-changing encounter with Jesus. It is an episode that we only find in St. Luke's gospel. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector implying that he was in charge of other tax collectors in his taxing district. The Jews loathed tax collectors. Therefore, Zacchaeus had to mingle with the people who despise him in his effort to see Jesus. His natural curiosity to see the famous healer was augmented by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God often works through nature, and he is always full of surprises. Because he was short, Zacchaeus further shed his human respect by doing something that would seem foolish for a man in his position. He climbed a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus as he passed by. However, Jesus is more than a famous preacher and a miracle worker. He is the Savior. Jesus saw in the heart of this little man a yearning for meaning, fulfillment, and healing. Then the unexpected happened. Jesus called him by name, Zacchaeus, make haste to come down, for I must stay at your house today. Notice, Jesus' love and mercy compelled him to reach out 
to the one man in the crowd who deep down was longing for a relationship with him. No one remains the same when his heart meets the heart of Jesus. Therefore, the little man with the big heart expressed his complete repentance. Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. St. Ambrose commented, Jesus chooses a tax collector. Who can despair when such a man obtains grace? According to an ancient tradition, St. Peter later appointed Zacchaeus as the bishop of Caesarea. Would that we would also repent as sincerely and follow our Lord as faithfully as did Zacchaeus. Let this be our prayer. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Jimmy and Father Chris. Yeah, I like that reflection and and worth meditating on because, hey, we're all sinners, but boy, we're sure Mm -hmm. striving to be saints, aren't we, Gabby? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And I don't know if you remember, do you know that song about Zacchaeus? I don't know why, but it's like one of the few things I remember about kindergarten, first grade, my religion. Bring it to our memory. It was, it's... Oh, I'm not going to sing it, no, but despair, everyone, they just woke up. But it talks about Zacchaeus and how Jesus found him and brought it and had dinner with him that night. And I just remember singing it in religion class, so it always pops in my head every time I think about this passage. Well, maybe if we get enough email requests, uh, we'll have you sing it before (laughs) the show's over today. How's that? Yeah, if we get yeah, if we get requests, okay. I'll sing it. But, All right, you know. very good. Well, you know the holidays are coming up. In fact, Thanksgiving's just two days away, and there's plenty of time still for you to volunteer. The Catholic Charities of New Orleans needs volunteers to organize and box donations for refugee families at their location, located at 2505 Main Avenue in Metairie. Even though there's two days away from Thanksgiving, now's the time they're filling up those boxes, and you can help them out. Also, if you want to help with Christmas, uh, you can help uh, organize boxes with presents. They're going to do that December 6th to the 14th, and you got two different shifts if you want to participate from 9 to noon or noon to 3.30. For more information, just go to ccmedia.live, and you'll see who to contact and how to uh, volunteer before the holidays are over. Perfect. Well, there is a young adult silent retreat for women happening on December 8th. It's called Come and Sit at His Feet, a spiritual poverty and femininity retreat for young adult women led by by Claire Gallagher on December 8th through December 10th at Camp Abbey Retreat Center in Covington. The CYO Youth and Young Adult Ministry in the Archdiocese of New Orleans invites all young adult women to come and sit at the feet of Jesus for a weekend of silent preached retreat. The cost is $150 per person, and that includes lodging for Saturday and Sunday and meals. For more information, you can go to ccmedia.live. 
You know, during the first week of Advent, the Franciscan Friars are inviting one and all to Divine Mercy Catholic Church in Kenner so they can see the first-class relics of St. Anthony of Padua Sunday, December 10th. St. Anthony will be visiting in the form of two first-class relics from the Basilica in Padua, Italy. Uh, The relics will be accompanied by Father Mario Conte, and there will be a Mass on Sunday morning at 8.30 and also another one at 10.30, and then they will have veneration beginning at 9.30, going all the way until 2.30. So if you would like to... uh, Uh, be a part of this event and i know i plan on being there saint anthony is my main man uh you you can go (laughs) to ccmedia.live to get more details and uh, who to contact if you'd like more information great well real quick the third annual live nativity will take place this saturday november 25th from 10 a.m to 2 p.m at our lady of mount carmel chapel in covington You'll see a live nativity with animals. There will be a Christmas market, a bake sale, face painting for kids, and jambalaya. It just gets better and better. So definitely check that out. Uh, ccmedia.live is where you can go. All right. Thank you very much, Gabby, and thank you all for tuning in. It is just about 15 after the hour, and it is a Tuesday morning. Bishop Michael Duke is our next guest. We'll be chatting with him. So stick around as Wake Up continues. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 21st. Today we celebrate the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's some uncertainty about the origin of today's feast. Nowhere in the Gospels do we read that Anna and Joachim presented Mary at the temple in Jerusalem. Some other early works indicate that Mary's parents made this offering to God when she was three years old to fulfill a promise Anna made while she was still childless. Despite the lack of historical evidence, Mary's presentation serves an important theological purpose. It flows from the earlier feasts of the Immaculate Conception and of Mary's Nativity, and it emphasizes that the holiness conferred on Mary from the very beginning of her life on earth continued through her early childhood and beyond. Whatever its history, the feast of Mary's presentation was celebrated in Jerusalem in the 6th century and in the Western Church in the 11th century. Although it was sometimes missing from the calendar, this feast was extended to the Universal Church in the 16th century. Today we celebrate the fact that from the beginning of her life, Mary was dedicated to God. She herself became a greater temple than any made by human hands. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Almost 19 after on this Tuesday morning, and you're listening to Wake Up, Damian Colano, along with Gabby Smith. Joining us now is Bishop Michael Duca. He is the Bishop of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and he's here to talk about a number of different things, including uh, the feast day of Christ the King, as well as preparing for Advent. Good morning, Bishop Duca. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Same here. Uh, So, you know, this time of year, it just seems like a lot of uh, important religious feast days pop up. Uh, Today being the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, and and we want to honor her in a special way. And then, of course, Sunday is the Solemnity of Christ the King. Share with us a little bit about how we should be preparing and, and getting ready. 
Boy. <laughs> First of all, I think we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay. Because the Feast of Christ the King finishes up this, this liturgical year. And it finishes it up with a very important, the last couple of Sundays will all be about the end times, about being ready when Christ will come again, to remind ourselves that this world is passing, if not altogether at one time when Christ comes again in glory, but to us personally as well, that we will one day pass from this life into the next. And so it reminds us, all these readings, to be ready, be prepared, not just for Christmas, first of all, but, but for our ultimate coming of Christ in our lives, whether it be at our personal death or when he comes again. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be ready, it could happen at any time. So I think taking heed of that reminds us of something that we will experience when we get to Advent, and that is, in every feast day, we're always celebrating the past, the remembrance of what led us, what, what, the salvation history, the present, how we experience that mystery in our lives today, and then how it always points us to the future beyond this world. And so we want to, you know, and I use kind of use this example sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been to Sacred Heart Church here in Dallas, um, but it has a very big Christ the King, okay? And some people say it's scary Jesus. <laughs> I say not, it's not scary, it's serious Jesus, okay? It's serious, okay? That, that there is a way in which, yes, we with joy, we look forward to our, our time to, as we'll move from this life to the next, but also it's serious. There's a judgment there. God will say, you know, mm. when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? How did I treat my brothers and sisters? It will be accounting a there, where we will choose ultimately the God we've been living for all our lives. And hopefully that's the God of Jesus Christ revealed, God revealed in Jesus Christ, the God, our Savior and Lord. But, yeah. So I think we can't get to Advent before we go through Christ the King. <laughs> I, I'm with you 100%, and it would be good for us to reflect on uh, recognizing that Jesus is not only our King, Lord, and Savior, uh, and, and we, we shouldn't just do that in our private prayer life. I don't think we talk about Christ enough in public anymore, and that's why I love the Eucharistic revival, because we're seeing Eucharistic processions now in, in public, and, and people need to be aware that Christ is alive. You know, there is something about that procession where you take the heart of our faith into the world, you mm-hmm. might say, you know, which is what we're all supposed to do. I always remind my people of confirmation that the last words of Mass are sometimes the most important for us. Remember, the Mass is ended. Now go, go and take this mm-hmm. message into the world. Be salt for the earth. Be the yeast that makes things different and change. And we process the Eucharist out into the world, even just beyond a few steps. You know, it's a way in which we kind of say, in a very powerful way, Christ has come to redeem the world, and he also is here for everyone to come and worship. And so I think that's a, you're right, it's a very powerful experience that I think people are really taking. I mean, I know many parishes on the Feast of Christ the King in our diocese will be having some uh, processions, Eucharistic processions. We used to have one in Dallas, the Christ the King procession in Dallas was a major event downtown Dallas. All the churches would gather. Oh, wow. And we would process through the streets of Dallas. They stopped it right at the time when all the other kind of demonstrations were starting, you know. Everyone was demonstrating. But for, in Dallas, it was important because we were a minority. And for us, it was, and we were not always respected. You know, it was some anti-Catholicism there at that time. Yeah. But to process through the streets, uh, I remember it was a really uh, powerful thing. The kids would come in buses and, the parishes would have their banners, and we'd walk through the streets praying the rosary. Mm. And uh, so way back, and that was back in the 60s, you know. So, yeah. 
Um, and in a very non-Catholic area where we were, we were much more, at that time, the minority of people. So, right. so yeah, I think it's a very powerful thing we're doing. Do you, and, uh, do you foresee that maybe coming back even after the Eucharist, Eucharistic revival is over with? That sure would be a beautiful uh, tradition to start up again. Well, it, you know, I thought about that thousand-wide, big one downtown, possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but one of the things that right now I think, I, you know, I think for the parishes, I think this will become for many of them a regular thing every year, uh, and it will gain momentum. I think in that direction. And then as, as people get used to it in their parishes then it might be time for us to have maybe a, a large, try to find Dawson one uh, here in, in town. Mm-hmm. But we're, right now, I just think you're right. Taking Christ into that procession, I think, is a very powerful statement uh, that, that goes along with the kind of missionary spirit we want people to have nowadays to go out and proclaim Christ in the world. Right. Uh, now, we are in the second phase, speaking of the Eucharistic revival. It's at the parish level. Are you happy with what you're seeing? I know our, our priests have their hands full to begin with, uh, but it seems like they're getting a lot of support from parishioners, and, and that's kind of the goal, oh, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. I think it's, I think we're seeing a lot of momentum in terms of not just processions, but in terms of awareness of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think there's more sermons on it. I think it's being woven into more sermons. Uh, I certainly try to weave it in when I can. Uh, well, of course, it's easy to weave it into everything because the Christ is at the center of our lives. Uh, but I think I am seeing it. And also, you know, they had that, that secondary poll, so to speak, uh, where they, they, they asked people the same question I guess they did before, and they found a better response this time. I, I don't know how, how accurate those are, but they seem to show there's actually been an uptick in people believing the right thing about the Eucharist. That's great. Mm-hmm. And so that would, I mean, that's, I, I'd like to know, I'd like to test that out over time, but I can't imagine that people in the pews aren't hearing a different message or at least a more clear message about the Eucharist and it's our place in our lives yeah. and what we believe. Well, there was, really a, happens. there was a new poll out not long ago um, versus the one that was two years ago where it said 70% of the Catholics weren't sure that the body and blood of Christ or the Eucharist was indeed the body. Now it's 50%. So I think yeah, you're that's right. That's there, what I'm talking about, yeah. There's a transition taking place, and, and the movement is finally taking hold. And, and uh, it's good. Great. It's good to see that being uh, uh, spoken from the pulpit. And uh, more importantly, we have to live it. You're going through a lot of confirmations and first communions. And uh, how's that going? And are you excited about the young people, young Catholics today? Well, I, I certainly am. I certainly am. Uh, but you know what? We, we had some nice presentations from uh, Dr. Pedraza during our uh, from the Un- Franciscan University talking about the, the, the state of the vineyard, he called it. Mm-hmm. And what we pointed to was that one of the, one of the things you can – we're talking about how kids and children, I should say, how children keep their faith into adulthood. One of the markers that's almost consistent for those that remain faithful, that we know a lot of people are losing their faith or moving away from their faith, at least in high school, sometimes even in college, sometimes even younger than that, it seems like. But the real marker is that those who have a family, parents who live intentionally their faith in a genuine and honest way, which pervades not just going to Mass on Sunday, but pervades their whole life. That's a marker for, it's, it's not Catholic schools, it's not necessarily um, Catholic uh, education and, and 
and like religious education in the, in the parish, it is the marker really seems to be the family. Mm. Because we know this. We yeah. know this is true. I strongly live. And so catechesis is not something we need to do just for our children, but for our parents as well. And uh, we're talking about that now. How do we draw in parents into that real catechetical experience, that conversion, so that they're not just dropping their kids off, but they're not being reinforced at home. And so we need to continue to bolster our education and outreach to the parents and families, because that's the really the big broken part of our society right now. But the, when I meet the kids at confirmation, I'm excited. I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're excited about being confirmed. And it's, it's a high point in their life. And uh, I, I enjoy doing it. Also, I get to go and do the confirmation, but the pastor does all the work. He gets it all ready. <laughs> you know, I walk in. I'm like a grandparent. I walk in. I do the confirmation. I enjoy all the kids. I have a great time with them. Then I leave. He has to clean up. So yeah. pastors do a great job in, in preparing the students. But they love having you and seeing you and, and being with you, even for a short period of time. And I love the fact that it sounds like you uh, gave us a little sample of what your uh, homily might be for uh, the feast day of the Holy Family on December 22nd, right before Christmas. So uh, I like that. Um, with that yeah. being said, what are your plans for Thanksgiving as we wrap up? I'll be going home for Thanksgiving uh, well, I should be saying I'm going to my brother's house in Houston for Thanksgiving. Uh, I go to Dallas, my hometown, for Christmas. I can spend more days there. But uh, I'll be with him. He's a good cook, and <laughs> he'll have his family over there, and uh, I'll enjoy some good food, good wine, and time to celebrate with my family. It'll be a nice, a nice time. Well, there you go. Who knows? You might get a little pasta while you're there. So, uh, well, <laughs> thank you so I, I much. We'll get Italian sausage. Yeah, there you All go. Right. There you go. <laughs> Bishop Michael Duca, thank you for being with us, and God bless you, and continue to good work in our diocese, and have a happy Thanksgiving. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Happy Thanksgiving to you. God bless. All right, that was Bishop Michael Duca. He is the Bishop of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Coming up next, we have Father Jeffrey Kirby. He is pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. Good topic he'll be talking about, so stick around. It's 30 after the hour on Wake Up. It is 35 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado. Our next guest is Father Jeffrey Kirby. He's a pastor over at Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. And today he joins us to talk about his new book called The Year with the Popes, Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. Good morning, Father Kirby. Welcome back, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Gabby. Good to be back with you. Great. Well, you know, everyone not well, let me let me rephrase this. A lot of people love looking at different ways that they can grow closer through their morning prayer, evening prayer through meditations. And I think your book is a perfect opportunity to give to those who are really interested in learning a little bit more about our popes and how we can grow closer to our Lord through church history. So tell our listeners a little bit more about what we can find. Yes, yeah, so this is a book, uh, Year with the Popes. It's 365 uh, reflections uh, drawn from the popes. All of them are uh, from direct teachings, so they're, they're primary documents. The popes are speaking for themselves. 
And it can begin, and anyone can start it whenever they want. So it's not like, you know, January 1st or something like that. Uh, there's no, um, you know, calendar designation. So anyone can start mm-hmm. the 365 days whenever they want. They can do one a day. They could do seven, uh, you know, seven uh, seven sections, seven days uh, once a week. Uh, you know, most of us, we, we, we pick up these, we, we do the best we can. <laughs> you know, it's like we do a <laughs> yeah. few days and then, you know, we miss a few days and we try to catch up and so on. But uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a book that, that's very flexible, kind of accommodates uh, a busy schedule. How did you go about, I mean, obviously, through, looking throughout church history, we have had many popes. So how did you go about finding the perfect meditations that we can really reflect on uh, to get our days started off? Yeah, so I wanted to start right from the beginning. So I go right to the sacred scriptures uh, to show, you know, the Lord Jesus's relationship with St. Peter and then Peter's ministry mm-hmm. from Acts of the Apostles and, and his two letters in the New Testament. And then after that, it was really just selecting what are the more uh, spiritually helpful or or timely quotes from different popes. So, you know, um, it goes from highlighting the Marian devotion of the popes to the call to prayer to uh, the high esteem given to fasting by many of the popes. And then sometimes I address, you know, situations in history that sometimes we don't hear the church's voice. So, for example, the multiple and repeated denunciations of the slave trade by the Pope, um, just, you know, mm. really just crying out about the abuse of human freedom and, and freedom, dignity, uh, human dignity. And then also, you know, situations like, you know, what did the Pope say before World War I? Uh, what did the Pope say about, you know, Galileo? What did the Pope say about Christopher Columbus? Mm. So sometimes there's just, you know, situations where, events in history we might know about, but we never heard about what the Pope was saying. And, and, and you know, the Pope at the time had something to say. So, so I tried to find things that would be appealing or, or applicable or helpful to, you know, to each of us in our discipleship today. Yeah, well, also, I, th- that's such an interesting topic because I never thought about, you know, what would the Pope, what did the Pope say about those figures that we read about in history books? Uh, but Father Kirby, there have been some good Popes in our church history, and we have learned that there have been some bad Popes in our church history. Do you dive into that as well? Oh yes, yes, uh, and and really, I, I felt more morally responsible to to do so. So, the vast majority of popes uh, were living saints, uh, spiritual masters, but we had maybe uh, about a dozen or so that um, you know were really uh, bad examples of just Christian living. <laughs> Not only were they mm-hmm. bad shepherds, they were just you know bad Christians. Um, and and I, I highlight aspects of that and, and just show, like, you know, what did the Holy Spirit do? Um, how did the church survive, right? And uh, highlighting the fact that, you know, the church is, you know, the church is founded and, and belongs to Jesus Christ. No one pope, yeah. you, know, you know, controls the church. The church does not depend on any one pope. So, you know, so popes come, popes go. Um, when we have bad popes, it causes a lot of damage to the spiritual good of the faithful. But oftentimes, Gabby, what's interesting is you look at all the times we've had bad popes, that's when we've had our greatest saints. <laughs> mm. So you see how wow. the Holy Spirit is, is making up yeah. what is lacking. So, so the fact uh, that you know, yeah. we've had bad popes and 
You know, and, and I'd like to point out, uh, you know, in, in the year with the popes that, you know, even in St. Peter's life, there was a situation where, you know, he was indulging in hypocrisy, and St. Paul tells us that he had to correct Peter. You know, so even sometimes the good ones, you know, were works in progress like the rest of us. Yeah. You know, quite an interesting conversation. You know, you never know who's listening, Father Kirby. So many people know who the Pope is or who the Pope, you know, past Popes. Uh, but why, why do we look at the, at the Pope as a prominent figure in our church? Uh, why should we turn to the Popes when it comes to daily meditations? Yes. And actually, Gabe, I'm glad you asked that question because that, that really is the heart behind this book. I really wanted in this book to show, you know, that, that vast array and lineage of popes and in that to nurture greater devotion uh, to, to the papal office, which is a gift. Mm-hmm. This is a gift given to us by the Lord Jesus. It's, it's you know, a, a spiritual fatherhood. It is, you know, a guardian of our faith. It is the chief witness and chief uh, mm-hmm. disciple among us. And so by having a love for the Holy Father, by having a love for the papacy, we can find great encouragement, guidance, encouragement, correction at times in our own discipleship. And so to just value that and honor that sacred office in terms of our Christian way of living and, and, and in our own discipleship. Well, and and what was your inspiration behind writing something like this? Because I've honestly never seen a book with daily meditations that focus on past popes in our church history. Honestly, I think it's such a great idea to focus on and and learn a little bit more about our our faith. Yeah, so I have to uh, really give the credit there to uh, the publisher, Tam Books. Um, (laughs) Full transparency, when Mm -hmm. I originally proposed uh, this book, it was going to be a year with John Paul II, who is my personal mm-hmm. hero, a model for my priesthood. Yeah. And then in conversations with the publisher, they said, well, we certainly want to honor John Paul II, but how about we maybe do a year with the popes? Because, you know, as you said, Gabby, a lot of people don't know, you know, our, our earlier popes or different popes or, yeah. or don't understand the context of some of our bad popes or the comments of our popes during major historical events. And so, the publisher, the publisher asked, like, how about we broaden this? And as I thought and prayed about it, I thought, you know, that's, I think that's a greater good right now. And, and so yeah. that, that's how the, the project kind of launched. I think that's a great idea. Good good job, Tam Books. It's a really good one. This could be a perfect Christmas gift. Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor at Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. Of course, looking forward to your future publications as well. We're talking about Year with the Popes, Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. Father Kirby, Father Kirby before we let you go, may we ask for a priestly blessing from you. Yes, my pleasure. Let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you. May he grant you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You can go to tanbooks.com to pick up your copy. Uh, Also, check out your local Catholic bookstore as well. Father Kirby, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, Gabby. Take care. All right, and looking forward to what he's going to be writing next because it's always a good one. And I'm seeing it on social media, on X, and people are reading his book, so definitely check that out. You'll learn a little bit more about our church history and maybe some popes 
you never thought of. I know for me, Damien, sometimes the popes have the same names, so they get jumbled and I get them mixed up a little bit. But I think this is a good way to maybe connect the reflection with the pope and the time period and what they said at that time. So yeah. this is a really cool resource, I good, think. Good for way for me. It's, it's a combination of meditation, information, and reflection. So it's a good Definitely. Book. Learn a little bit of, as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, stay with us. We have more coming up after the break. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Collado. While we are... You know, counting down the days, I guess. Damien doesn't like to go too quickly. He likes to take it day by day. But if you're like me, you're preparing for Advent. You're making sure you have that wreath all ready to go. So when the first Sunday in Advent (laughs) shows up, you have the wreath, you have the prayers, and you're ready to go. And just guide your family toward a wonderful Advent season and beginning of a new liturgical year. Katie Bogner now joins us. She's a Catholic author and school teacher, and she has a new book that's actually on back order, and it's called All About Advent and Christmas, Sharing the Seasons of Hope and Wonder with Children. Hey, Katie, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Morning, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, we were actually talking to Bishop Michael Duca, the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and like to take things, okay, Christ, Feast of Christ the King is coming up, and then we begin Advent, and of course, Christmas season follows right after. So tell us, what can we find in your book to help our families prepare for this time of year? So the book actually isn't, it's not a devotional. It's not something that's dated that you have to do each day with your family. Rather, it helps explain Mm -hmm. the seasons of Advent and how they guide us through the liturgical year and all of the different customs that we have as Catholics and how you can share those with your children. I love it because you really never know who's listening. And we discussed that with Father Jeffrey Kirby right before you. Um, You never know if it's new Catholic families and they just entered into the church and this is their first Advent. So how can this book guide us uh, to really help us understand what is uh, the reason for Advent and how we can really fully immerse ourselves in it? Yeah, absolutely. The book really starts with talking about waiting for the Messiah. So how throughout the entire Old Testament, God had promised to send a Savior. And so it paints that picture, both for families and for kids. I've actually heard of several people who are like recent RCIA candidates and how they're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I had no idea. But I also have heard from like lifelong cradle Catholics who are, they're like, I had no idea why we did that custom. (laughs) So there really is something for everyone. I 100% agree. What was your thought or inspiration behind writing something like this? Because quite frankly, there are so many different resources out there that are pulling for our attention to say, use this, use this, use this. And we're always trying to find the right one that our children can understand, but what we can understand as well. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, there are thousands of Christmas picture books, as there should be, right? Like telling the story of the Mm -hmm. first Christmas. But there's really very few resources for Advent. Um, and, and if there are resources, there are phenomenal books about the Jesse tree or about maybe, a, you know, a book of prayers to read each day as you light your Advent wreath. So there's lots of things maybe about the, the how, but there's not really a ton about the why. 
And so I really wanted to create a resource as a teacher that I like to make things that don't already exist. And so this book, mm-hmm. instead of just being like, okay, read this this day and read this this day, instead this actually right. paints a picture of the purpose of the season and how it all points to Christ coming both at the first Christmas, but also this Christmas and at the end of time. And so it, it has all of the customs. It also has really practical things for families. So like, here's a little blip you can read for your kiddos to explain why we do this. But then there's also maybe a little sidebar that has a prayer you could use, or here's an idea for a meal or a snack that day. So try to make it really accessible for parents and teachers to use with kids of all ages. I love it because, of course, we are busy people. <laughs> it's almost like we thrive on the busyness of the day. So I think this is a perfect. But you touched on something where you discuss the customs and traditions found throughout church history. Can you talk about those real quick? Yeah, sure. So we're really you know, familiar, of course, with the Advent wreath, and a lot of people have heard of the Jesse tree. But there's actually different Mm -hmm. Advent customs from around the world. So there's a few that I incorporate into the book, even just to introduce them because they're so beautiful, like Bambinelli Sunday in Italy, where it's customary to take the little baby Jesus figurine from your nativity to church that day and have your priest bless it so it's ready to put in the nativity Mm -hmm. on Christmas Day. Um, That's actually even been a tradition. It happens at the Vatican every year, which is really cool, too. Um, and talked a little bit about um, in Eastern European countries, it's really common to get up and go to morning mass, like really early in the morning during Advent, and kind of await the coming of the light of the world. So try to weave some of those things in that, you know, you can then incorporate those into your own church. Um, We maybe have also heard of Las Posadas, which is really popular in Mexico and and Latin American countries, where it means the inns, and typically um, a church will have um, a custom where you go to, to seven different houses, Um, looking for a place to stay the way that Mary and Joseph did. And then the last place is the church where you're welcomed in, and often there's mass and then a party afterwards. So just some different ways. We can't do all of it. We shouldn't do all of it. But maybe Mm -hmm. to find a new way to celebrate with your family this year. Is there an age group that you were gearing this toward? Yeah, I really try to write things that will be accessible for families because it's hard to have a book that is like just for a six-year-old, you know what I mean? So I definitely yeah. think that younger kids, like maybe, you know, in the four to six-year-old range, are going to be captivated by the beautiful illustrations um, that my friend Sherry Van Brinken did. They're just bright and colorful and filled with details. But I also know that kids like seven to nine, they're going to pick it up because I've watched it happen, and they're going to start to read through it <laughs> because the text, the chapters are really short. They're like two or three pages, um, and then there's tons of little sidebars and text boxes. So it's really easy to pick up and read just a little at a time. So for sure, the target would probably be five to nine, but I think there's a lot that all ages could learn from. Great. Katie Wagner, Catholic author and school teacher. We're talking about her new book, All About Advent and Christmas, Sharing the Seasons of Hope and Wonder with Children. Katie, where can our listeners pick up their copy? Well, I know you mentioned at the beginning, Gabby, it's actually been so popular that it's on back order right now, but fortunately, (laughs) we already had the second print run initiated like over a month ago, so it should be back in stock really quickly and shipping out that like really close to the first Sunday of Advent. So if people go and order it at the stpaulcenter.com, which is the publisher of the book, they're doing a really great thing where if you order it now, you get the free PDF so you can still have access to the content while you wait for your actual book to come in the mail. That's great. And it's so good to hear that it's on back order. That means that there's so many people are going to learn a little bit more about the season. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining us and looking forward to what you have coming up next. Yeah, thanks, Gabby. 
All right. And have a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. I, Damien, that's slipping my mind that that's <laughs> only a couple of days away. So, but yeah, just we're preparing and waiting and, and getting ready. Yeah. I bet you know Black Friday's coming up, though. I do. Yeah. See, do. even more than yes. Thanksgiving. No. I'm you just sure? ready. We have plans. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, right. Black Friday, Small well, Business Saturday, good. Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. Yeah. I have them all. <laughs> okay. Well, good. And uh, we we hope everyone does indeed have a happy Thanksgiving. I will not be here tomorrow, yes. so I want to wish each and every one of you all a happy Thanksgiving. And um, yeah. let's wrap our show up with prayer, as we always do, in this presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Day. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To you do I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, Damien. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Like you, you as said, well. You won't be here tomorrow, but I hope it's just full of great food and, and wonderful people. So looking forward to hearing about it. Okay. It will be with family. Yeah. That's for sure. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Johnny Aber joins us with his gospel reflection. Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald will update us from the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Dr. Stephen Duran will talk about his new book, To Die Well, A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to the End of Life. And Dr. Jordan Haddad from Notre Dame Seminary will talk about the church uh, doctors, doctors of the church, uh, when our new segment of Catholic 101. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.